College baseball fans, college baseball is returning to Globe Life Field, home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers. Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas is kicking off the college baseball season by hosting some of the top teams in the country over three consecutive weekends. The action starts with the Shriners Children's College Showdown presented by Kubota from February 16th to the 18th and continues with the Kubota College Baseball Series from February 23rd to the 25th and March 1st to the 3rd. Visit globelifefield.com forward slash college baseball for more information. Tickets for all three weekends are on sale now. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello, and because Mike Rooney is not here, I'm going to refer to this as the 35 minutes of purgatory that we call the D1 <laughs> Baseball Podcast. I am your fill-in host, Joe Healy, listed here as Cut and Shoot's Finest. I am joined today by Drew Burris as caddy, Kendall Rogers, and someone who just hopes everyone has a little fun this weekend. I'll add to that, I hope they get a lot of fresh air and good exercise. He is Stephen Schock. Uh, welcome, <laughs> fellas. It's going to be a little bit of a different uh, deal for listeners here today, but uh, I hope we just have fun. I'm with you. I think this episode should be very down the middle. We will not get too good, but we won't get too low. Just right That's in the right. middle, even keel. Steady, steady heartbeat in this, this trio. That's of right. Course. Normally, Runes does an inane banter. I don't have anything specific. However, our, our my friend and yours, Chris Gennaro, put in our internal WhatsApp chat the final top 20. Our last time we had a top 25 on a leap day because today as we record this is leap day. Um, and so I'm kind of perusing that and there's some interesting stuff there that gives you an idea of just how long ago this was. First of all, this was like one of the last top 25s before COVID shut everything down. So, you know, that was, that was a tough one. I don't know if you guys remember COVID, but that was a thing. Um, Long Beach state was ranked 20, 25th shout out to the dirt bags. Uh, Tennessee was ranked 24 because we didn't yet know they were Tennessee. So that, that's certainly interesting. Mississippi state was in the top 10. So was Louisville. Louisville's in the top five. Georgia was number four. So, um, you know, shout out to Emerson Hancock. Um, so yeah, just pretty different in a lot of ways. What, what a difference four years makes, but uh, happy leap day fellas. Yeah. Thank you. Remember when uh, Mississippi state and Ole Miss are both top 20, tw- uh, top 20 teams. Yeah. Ole Miss number 15 in this ranking, Arizona yeah. state number 12. Um, yeah. So that what could have been for these teams in 2020. It would have been a fun year. It, it certainly would have, I think. And I think Virginia, we were we were on the cusp. We were getting we yeah. were getting close. I don't know if we were ranked because I wasn't really checking, but I think I think we were getting close to it. You know, Did we you, we had a great. We were coming off a really big weekend uh, sweep of UMass Lowell that would have mm. would have really tipped the They're scale, tough. I believe. Yeah, and then Riverhawks. Or it might have been a midweek game. We played NC State, then UMass Lowell. Then it was over. There you then go. The end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the the it, as you look back at kind of the teams in the list, I mean, the, the team that really is like front of mind for me in terms of like what could have been and just really like the trajectory of this coach is Tracy Smith in Arizona State. I mean, Tracy Smith, if you look back at that 2020 team, uh, I mean, they were loaded. They had Drew Swift, Spencer Torkelson, Trevor Halver, um, Gage Workman, Alika Williams, like these are not only high-end players, but for the most part, really high-end prospects. And, you know, this team was sitting at 13-4 and four when the season was shuttered that year. Uh, this is a club that I think could have gotten Omaha. 
I don't know if they would have quite had the pitching to win a national championship, but had they gotten Omaha, the, the Tracy Smith uh, era at Arizona State might go way differently. I mean, there were there were some some weird things going on between like the alums and, and Smith back then. Like it, it just it wasn't a great relationship. But I think if Arizona State gets to Omaha that year, I mean, they're obviously not parting ways with him. Like a, you know, two years later, I don't think so. Uh, Arizona State to me is the one that comes to mind the most in terms of you know clubs that could have really just changed the trajectory of their whole you know situation. And right now they're still still you know they're they're better but they're still trying to find their way back. Yeah. No, it's a great point. I mean, there, there are other teams in this list, but most of them that you think of, oh, that was a real missed opportunity. Still in the in the years after that, there, there was really nothing stopping Louisville, for example, from being a really good team yeah. again or what have you. But with Arizona State, with all those guys who were 2020 draft picks, you kind of knew that it was now or never for them. Um, yes. It takes some time to, to build it back up. So that is that is interesting. Um, we're going to preview the weekend here in, in just a second. But before we get to any of that, I have to let you know that this episode of the D1 Baseball Podcast is brought to you by PitchLogic, the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from the youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. Take that runes. How about that for an ad read? That was <laughs> that was pretty good. I actually halfway through I bought one because wow, well. so wow. Thank you, Joe Healy. I'm gonna now know that I do throw 78 with sync. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then offensively, you're gonna start swinging at more strikes, taking more balls, and that's the key right there. Yeah, the swing decisions they're going up. They're yeah, going up for sure. And sure. in terms of however hitter swing decisions traject positively, that's what's happening with it. Right. However because you define <laughs> right. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't know the terminology either, but yes, that's that's uh, that's what's gonna happen. Joe's like that sounds that sounds right on. That sounds correct. <laughs> um yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, Steve is the most qualified to tell us what it is, though. You know, is the only one of us who played division one baseball. Yeah, um, it's essentially if if a pitch is in the zone and you can hit it and you swing, you made a good swing decision. If it's out mm -hmm. of the zone and you probably can't hit it, bad decision. That seems yeah. I like to think dumbest level possible. Yeah. And that's how I understand it. Steve, so Steve, how many how, like how many at bats do you have in your career? Do you have any? I actually have one at bat, one oh, okay. swing, one pitch scene, one grounded into a double play. Hey, so now. one swing, oh, two hey, outs. I mean, at least you made contact. Yeah, made contact, walked right to the mound. Didn't even worry about it, you know? I'm not beating that out. I'm not beating that out. You gotta save some steps. One at bat, two thirds of an inning, you know? Like that's, that's maximum efficiency right there. All right, fellas. Uh, here's what here's what we're gonna do. Here's the conceit of today's episode. We're basically, yeah. you know, the three of us are gonna be in some games this weekend. We're gonna go around the horn and talk a little bit about what we're gonna see in person. Once we do that, and of course we'll I'll chime in on that. And then once we do that, we're going to go around and just talk about something else we have our eye on where we won't be personally um, to, to kind of chime in with that. So I'll start with Kendall. Um, Kendall, what do you got this weekend? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I'll, we've got a good one. Uh, the Astros Foundation Classic, uh, formerly known as the Shriners College Classic. Uh, you know, this weekend you got Texas, uh, LSU, Louisiana, Texas State, um, uh, Houston. Uh, it's good. Uh, Vanderbilt can't forget about Vanderbilt. Uh, it's just an outstanding tournament. I mean, I think you look at the opening opening game, at, at, like the opening night game uh, with Texas and LSU. 
Uh, I think we're going to find out a lot about both these teams. Uh, not necessarily enough to draw total conclusions here, but I mean, if you look at LSU, I think we made the we had the discussion the other day on the pod that you know LSU might be in a little bit on cruise control. Like we're, we haven't seen their best; they've been a little up and down. It's, it's been kind of a roller coasterish uh, first couple of weeks for LSU. And I feel like if you look at the last couple of games, they've really started to get it going offensively. You know, Stephen Milam uh, is a guy that, you know, Jay Johnson in the fall, honestly really didn't even mention him much. He was kind of like in passing. And, you know, he's gotten off to a terrific start. You know, Barry Jones has hit some tanks. Uh, you know, Tommy White will be Tommy White. But I think the thing for me when I look at LSU going into the weekend is, A, who do they start tomorrow night against Texas? You know, do they finally make that Luke Coleman switch? Or do they go with Thatcher Hurd one more week? I mean, this is this is two weeks in a row that Thatcher has not looked very good. My hunch here is that they probably flip the switch to uh, to Holman against Texas, wanting, wanting something where they kind of know what they're going to get. But just seeing how LSU's pitching unfolds this weekend for Texas, uh, LeBaron Johnson, obviously, I mean, he was great last year, guys, in the regional uh, in Super last year. But, like, you know, how is he against an, uh, what I think will be an elite LSU lineup uh, this weekend? Uh, I think Vanderbilt, for me, we, we all know – uh, they have a lot of potential in the mound, but you know how do they pitch this weekend? And also offensively, you know that that outburst they had against Indiana State where they scored 20 runs in the midweek is that kind of the the performance that gets this offense rolling a little bit going into the weekend? Um, and then you know I, Texas State we talked about from last week, but you know I think Houston, Louisiana these these are both uh, big weekends for those guys. Uh, Louisiana had a very odd first two games against uh, Rice last weekend. Uh, were you know we just shut down, which really shocked me. Uh, but, you know, they've got really good arms. You know, Jack Martinez on the, on the front of that rotation is a really nice arm for them. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what they do this weekend against Houston. Uh, this is this is a, this is statement time for Houston, I feel like. Uh, and Joe knows this as well as anybody that, you know, Houston's a, a, a proud program that, you know, we could count on being in the regional every single year. And we could count on being in the regional hosting mix every couple of years. And, you know, they've missed the postseason the last few years. And, and they finally feel like they have a team depth-wise and then positionally, and then on the mound to finally make that move. Jackson Jelkin, the, their ace on Friday nights, is you know up to 95-96 with just a devastating slider when he is on. He's been really good so far. And I just think uh, Houston, when they look at the, you know this weekend, uh, I think they're looking to make a big statement, and I'll be very curious to see how they do. I'm with you. Uh, LSU-Texas Friday night, going to be great. The atmosphere is going to be electric. Those two teams, when they play in that Houston tournament, are the yeah. two teams that bring out the most fans. And so putting them together is a no-brainer for that first night. LeBaron Johnson's an interesting matchup. The LSU offense hasn't put it all together yet. They've had some nice individual mm -hmm. performances, but let's not forget, it was just two weeks ago, they scored a total of six runs in two games against Central Arkansas. Yeah. Last weekend, they scored two runs and a loss to Stony Brook. So this offense is not um, immune from having a stinker of a game. And LeBaron Johnson will carve you up if you're not having a good game. So... Um, I think that's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun in Houston. A lot to learn there. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Steve, you're going to be at the what I believe they call the Reedy River Rivalry, which is something you have to say really slow to not. Uh, yeah, say that a hundred times. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Steve, what, do you, what do you got on that not. series? Uh, and, and just give us a give us a preview there. I, I think I'm going to only refer to this as like the Palmetto series or something okay. different than the three R's because my reading, writing, and arithmetic, I can't sub out those three R's with something else about a no, river. That's true. Nothing, nothing against you're gonna the get river. All, you're going to get all twisted up. 
Some like, things yeah. have to remain sacred in this world. Look, I already got the dyslexia coming in there to party, so we don't need anything else. Um, but Kendall, the thing I'm really excited about about the tournament you're going to be at is the fact that the home runs there sound so much cooler than home runs anywhere else. It's like you're in the Grand Ole Opry, and they are on stage. I remember the video of Ivan Melendez hitting a home run onto the yeah. train track. I think I made that sound my ringtone back in the day. It was just so good. Yeah, it's, but, it's way more majestic whenever somebody hits a home run off like the at Minute Maid, how they have the big columns over the train tracks. Like when the ball bounces off that column, it's just a little bit more majestic than a regular home run. And like the sound it makes, the clunk of it, and the crowd going, ah, you love to see it. So that that's always <laughs> a great series. But with this Palmetto series yeah. that I don't know if that's the name or if I'm just giving it. I, am I like that better, just a Palmetto State battle or something. I don't know. It, it just makes more sense. You know, the the battle for the state that has really good golf. Um, that's another good name for it. But either way, Clemson and South Carolina, I'm really excited for this because, of course, they're both in the top 25. We got Clemson at number 10 and South Carolina at number 12. So this is a really good matchup just talent-wise, but also playing for state pride, playing for that you know, bragging rights all the rest of the season of the ACC versus the SEC. And of course, you know, who runs the state? Because, you know, there's no other schools in this state. There are. That's a joke. And the other schools are also very good at baseball, too. So what? no one is becoming the politician of South Carolina based on this series. But the rights, the rights to it and the internal intrinsic value of it is there. And I'm just really excited because Cam Canarella and Will Taylor have been really coming along with Clemson. I know Will Taylor was struggling pretty heavily coming into last night's game or Tuesday night's game. And he had a bit of a coming out party, hitting three home runs. And I am expecting that to continue into this weekend, especially because, you know, it's when the pressure is on that the best athletes perform the best. And this is a guy who, you know, he used to play football. He stopped playing football to focus mainly on baseball. But I do believe that with the football background, a lot of players will be able to handle a lot more than the average, you know, just playing college baseball player. Because you think about it, Will Taylor goes into a stadium with 50,000 people saying mean things about him. Now he's in a stadium with 10,000. That's a good reduction. I will take that. I would take that in a heartbeat. But then on the other side of it, you've got a lot of talent in this South Carolina lineup where you guys got guys like Ethan Petrie, Talmadge LaCroix. You got Cole Messina behind the plate. You got a lot of reasons to be excited about them offensively. And on the mound, I think they continue to have guys step up and emerge on the bullpen side of things. I was really impressed with Ty Good, the transfer from the College of Charleston. He was a CAA pitcher of the year last year in their final year of ever being the CAA before switching to the CAA, um, the colonial to coastal switch. Of course, that's a big move. Everybody's going to remember where they were when that move was made. I was <laughs> at the beach. That's actually how I found out the coast told me. It said, hey, colonial out, coastal in. <laughs> but either way, I am very excited for this matchup because, again, the talent on the field is there, but also in the stands, the fans are going to be going nuts. It's one of the series where it's an in-state rivalry, one game played at Clemson, one game at South Carolina, one game at a neutral, which is just such a good way to grow the sport of baseball in general because then you get alumni who live near Clemson that went to South Carolina. They want to come to the yeah. game. They Then, of course, you, get, you pack the home field. I think ultimately I chose 
the Gamecocks to take this series. And that choice directly came from the fact that I've played in Founders Park on a Friday night and the fans will uh, they'll they'll lay an impact on the other team. I think playing in front of those fans gives a huge benefit to the Gamecocks. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. I can't wait for at the end of this series, whoever wins it, you know, that the, the gets to quote, as you put it, Steve, run South Carolina for Coastal Carolina to run onto the field at the end of it and just hit whoever wins over the head with a steel chair and then just <laughs> name the title for themselves. <laughs> like, to me, that's the only way the weekend could really properly end, you know? Yeah, I, for I, sure. I, I I will say this, like on a, on a serious note, I think if you look at the series overall, I think the thing I'm looking forward to is to see – how South Carolina's pitching does against Clemson. You know, I thought South Carolina, from a pitching perspective, was a little bit of a question mark coming into the season. Frankly, um, you know, when we discussed South Carolina as a top 25 team, you know, a lot of people had them 12, 13, 14. We had them in the 20 to 25 range. Uh, and the biggest reason for that was, you know, the uncertainty around Roman Kimball and, and the rest of that pitching staff. And so far, you know, whether it's been Kimball or Eli Jones, Eli Jones has had impeccable command uh, so far. Uh, their pitching has been really good for the most part. So I'll be curious to see if that trend continues. The level of competition steps up dramatically uh, with Clemson, and uh, we'll see You know, if they have the same amount of success on the mound. Tell you what, if, if they if they pitch at a high level this weekend, that makes me feel very good about South Carolina moving forward as long as they can stay healthy because we know they're going to hit. I would, I, yeah, I would generally agree. I think that's that's a great point there because that that is the primary concern with the Gamecocks. Right. Uh, that series, I'm just going to take to calling it the Pimento Cheese Classic, and that's uh, <laughs> just what I'm going to because that's one of my favorite exports from this part of the country is Pimento Cheese. Uh, even though my body doesn't doesn't love it for me. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Uh, I will also be at Clemson, South Carolina, so I'm going to talk about the Frisco Classic, which has gone from a tournament at the start of the year that looked pretty good to now looks really good because Alabama Mm -hmm. has played well. Uh, Indiana and DBU have come into the top 25. Arizona has Arizona has has won some big games um, early on this year, even though that the record is, I think, is sitting at four and four now. So it hasn't been smooth sailing, but um, they've won some big games as well. I think that first of all, the the game that I have kind of pegged is Alabama on Sunday playing DBU. If the rotation for DBU holds, that means Alabama would be facing James Elwanger, who is the freshman arm for DBU, whose fastball goes up to about 100 miles an hour. How does Alabama handle that that velocity? Bama also has not played a very good schedule so far. Uh, Last week, they won all three of their games against Valpo in seven innings via the run rule. Um, but I think that's good news for Alabama because we we had a lot of questions about their offense and sure the pitching hasn't been great, but they're doing what you expect them to yeah. do against teams like that. And they're mashing the baseball and it's, it's been a lot of newcomers. It's been Justin LeBron, the freshman shortstop. It's been, um, you know, it's been Gage Miller. It's been TJ McCants, which, you know, you got to be happy for TJ McCants to have this type of year, at least so far, given some of the struggles on the field, off the field uh, for TJ in his time at Ole Miss. So I, I believe just about anything in terms of result here, I think all four teams have a chance to come out of this thing with the, I assume a championship belt. Cause I think that's what peak is doing at, at all their tournaments. <laughs> um, so somebody's coming out of here with a championship belt, obviously. And I would, I would believe any, any of the four teams, just given the way they're, they're playing right now. 
I do love that the championship belt is coming out, but I do want to see championship suspenders. Like for the auxiliaries, you know how like when they win the College World Series, the team gets the big trophy. Everybody else gets the small little trophies. I got a participation one in my closet, much smaller. I think suspenders is the way to do it. Yep. That's the next that's the the next thing for sure. They do have for the MVP of the tournaments. I learned this last week's Steve, I don't know if a you saw belt. it in that area. A mini belt that like maybe fits around a bicep. Like a- yeah. <laughs> it's the unrealistic body expectations of being an MVP, you know. Yeah. It's- mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, the mini belt sponsored by Ozempic. I'd re- <laughs> Bobby Doesn't Pierce won it last week in Jacksonville. And I, I'd love to know what Bobby Pierce is planning on doing with that. How do you display that? What, what is your What's your idea behind that? I'm going to effort that whenever headband. I see them. Ooh, a headband. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So good weekend um, in Frisco, which, which is a good way. I'm sure Kendall would appreciate me saying this. Um, if you've not already, make sure you subscribe to the streaming services we're doing through guy. D1 Baseball. I'm a company man. Um, I like it. I love tournament this, this weekend. Yeah, thank you. We've got the Las Vegas tournament this weekend. And oh, by the way, don't overlook battle at the ballpark down in Sugarland. Some really mm. quality mid-major stuff. Creighton, Army, La Tech. Help me out, Kendall. Who am I missing? Uh, Air Force. Air, Air Force. Force. That's it. Yeah, Air Force. Yeah, you know, it's, Army, La Tech, yeah, it's going to be really interesting overall. You know, you mentioned Frisco. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson for for DBU, their, their Friday night starter. He's gotten off to just an amazing start. 20 strikeouts, one walk uh, in 12 and a third innings. Grant Jay off to a really nice start for them. Uh, there, there's a lot of intrigue for me, uh, Joe, and Shock with uh, the, the Vegas tournament too. Because I think if you look at, you know, Cal, you know, we had Cal kind of picked in the middle to the bottom half of the, the Pac-12. And uh, Mike News Club's off to a really good start. I mean, Rodney Green uh, is, is hitting for power. P.J. Mutsaridis, a talented freshman, hitting well over 400. Uh, they're, they think they're going to get EMA back eventually from an injury, potentially even next week. Uh, so things really looking up for Cal. Then Oklahoma, you know, I saw them a couple weeks ago at Globe Life, and uh, they, they certainly have a lot of pitching depth. But I think Cal, for me, is the team out in Vegas that I've got my eye on because I think if Cal has a big weekend, I think they could very well end up in the top 25 next week. Yeah, and it kind of cha- it starts to change the perception of what they could be this season. I, I know yeah. Runes has talked about it a lot. They, the high-end talent at Cal is is – I mean, just about as good as anybody else in the country in terms of top three best players, best on best. They're right up there with anybody. But how good is the depth? Can they get some some guys to step up? Can they, you know, get find some role players along the way? And and having a successful weekend this weekend, I think, would change a lot of how we how we view that team. Uh, Go ahead, Steve. I see your smile. Go go ahead. Yeah, I feel like Shock is, is ready for some thoughts. This is with Cal, their catcher, Caleb Lamavita, is one of my favorite people in college baseball because he just mashes baseballs. He's a great hitter, but he's from Hawaii, and his Instagram handle is Brada Caleb, spelled B-R-A-D-D-A-H, Caleb. And, like, that's his Twitter. It's universal form. But looking at him, like, looking at his roster picture, this is the first time I've seen his roster, he looks like the friendliest person in the world. He looks like brother Caleb, you know? So mm. that's why, that's why I started laughing, but I, he's another guy I'm excited to see, but I'm also excited to see if Mike Rooney survives Vegas or if Vegas survives Mike Rooney. That's the real mm. question. Great question. Will his mat, will his mattress end up on the top of a hotel? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why Joe Healy is, Joe Healy's filling in because Mike Rooney is currently at Caesar's palace, right? That's, 
That's right. That's what I believe is going on. That's right. Where yeah, Caesar what, himself what happens in Vegas where... stays in Vegas. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, Caleb Lomavita, great smile. Shock is right about that. Um, I said this on the air with Darren Vaught last weekend in Jacksonville that I'm pro smile in the roster picture. Like there used to be, I feel like there used to be this preconceived thing of like, you can't smile. You have to mean mug in your photos, but look, man, like those photos aren't for you. Mama and them want to see you smiling in those pictures, <laughs> you know, it's like, like you're, you're having a good time, right? All your friends yeah. are watching. What's the point of trying to look tough for a camera in front of your friends? You know, they yeah. know you're a goofball. They've, they've literally right. just saw you naked getting ready to get in the clothes for this picture. Who are we trying to impress? That's Have true. fun. That's smile. Point. Like Caleb totally Lomavita, I see his roster picture. I go, that's a gentleman I would like to meet. You yeah. know? Yep. Yeah. Aaron makes fun of me for this, but I'm compiling like a all, a, all smile team. Um, Doug Hodo is the, like the hall of fame member of this, just a, you know, great roster picture with a smile. Christian Hall of UAB from last weekend has made his way onto the all smile team. Uh, congratulations, Caleb Lomavita. You are also there. Um, and I'm looking for more this weekend in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, okay, uh, Steve, let me read off some of the other stuff. Kendall, Kendall touched on on a little something else there, the Vegas tournament. So, Shock, let me read off some of the the stuff just so also so listeners know some of the interesting stuff we have on the schedule this weekend because it is a loaded weekend. So, we've got the Globe Life Tournament weekend three of that. That's the Kubota College Baseball Series. We've got TCU, A and M, USC, and Arizona State is in that one. Uh, we've got a good mid-major series between Liberty and Coastal Carolina. Both those teams trying to build what will be postseason resumes. That's a good opportunity there. Rivalry series between Florida and Miami. That's always a chippy series, especially when it's in Coral Gables. It feels like that it is in Coral Gables this time around. UConn is going to Auburn. You like that. Oregon is playing Santa Barbara. So there's that as well. Um, I'm sure there are others I'm missing as I go through the scores page here, but uh, Steve, what of that, if anything, or something else catches your eye a little bit for this weekend? Yeah, so Florida and Miami is always a series that each year I have to tune into because there's always something going on. Last year, it was Blake Sear. He he just went off this series, and I remember he hit a home run in a big situation, threw up the U to the crowd. The crowd's loving it. People are loving it. Broadcasters like, oh, no one likes that. That was terrible. It's like, no, actually, everybody loved it. It was sick. <laughs> really cool moment. Um, so I love that series just because I feel like either way, the teams are going to be pimping home runs and be yelling at the other team. And I always love hearing the broadcasters try to act like, oh, that shouldn't have happened. When in reality tables are flipped it's happening the exact same way for for the other half inning and it's like this is cool it's like look let's just enjoy it the whole time understand that the chirpiness is the glory of this series the fact that you know these are college baseball players where after the game if you put all these guys in a room and just said like hey look you can't be mad about the game like you guys have to be friends that would happen in a heartbeat because that's how college baseball really is like all the guys these guys go to summer ball and they're playing with guys they play against all year long. It, it would be silly to actually hate them because you're going to run into them down the line. But this series, it has a lot of that hatred, a lot of that in-state rivalry of, oh, no, we're the better Florida school. Like, if I were a high schooler and recruited, I would have chose the one I'm at right now, not yours. All that stuff. And not to mention the fact that Jack Haglione, Liam Peterson, all these talented guys are going to be there. I'm excited to watch Gage Zeal on the mound. He's a guy who he behaves like a big league. 
like just the way he walks around between pitches, the way he composes himself. I'm really, I've always been impressed with that. So I, I just think it's going to be a really good matchup. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, and and I'll be curious, Joe, as, a, as the SEC extra guy, if you agree with this, but I kind of feel like this is put up or shut up time for Kate Fisher, you know, the the guy from Florida who, you know, was obviously a key bullpen piece for them last year, uh, but moved to the Friday, uh, Friday night roll and opening weekend. I mean, his stats are crazy. I mean, so he's got 14 strikeouts, two walks, and seven innings of work, but teams are hitting him at a 333 clip what that tells me is he can miss bats but when he gets hit he gets really hit and i think this weekend for for kate fisher if he struggles again i think for Sully, you've got to get him back to his, his older role where he actually had success yeah i could definitely see it he was pre- against columbia last weekend a lot better i think some of the numbers even the batting average against are just colored by the fact that he got I mean, he got ambushed by St. John's, uh, but yeah. Colum- against Columbia, five hits and two runs, 10 strikeouts. Um, yeah, so better. yeah, yeah. Five hits and five innings. He's still given up some, some base runners, but I, but I'm with you on your bigger point. Like this is a big test for him as the Friday guy. He's still relatively unproven in that role. And whether yeah. it's moving him to his previous role in the bullpen um, or just sliding everybody up and sliding him back to Saturday. Now Cags will stay on Sunday. They've decided that's the best way to use him is on Sunday. So maybe you slide him to Saturday, take a little pressure off, see what the kid Liam Peterson has on Friday. Why not? Um, yeah, it certainly I mean, seemed like Peterson's been really good. Like very yeah, yeah, he's he's been as advertised for sure in small samples. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The kid paints 96 mile an hour two seamers. <laughs> Why are you doing that, Liam? That's not fair. There are older people <laughs> here who played this game a certain way, not like that. Okay. <laughs> it reminds me of, it reminds me and, and hopefully he can come back in the next couple of weeks, but it reminds me of AJ Russell for Tennessee opening weekend, throwing 98 mile an hour heaters that are literally just going straight up in the zone. They're starting at your <laughs> knees. They're ending at your shoulders. Like, good luck. Like, I don't even know how you hit that. Yeah. It's well, it, it, it goes to show that they're even highly touted freshman arms that are all kind of thought of similarly can just have yeah. such different experiences because Liam Peterson has looked great. Cam Johnson at LSU has struggled. And then Ethan McElvain's kind of been in the middle of the two. He's done some good yeah. stuff. He's had some struggles with command. Um, and those three guys were all guys that we looked at as yeah. like, hey, these guys should probably be in pro ball, honestly, in terms of the talent level. And they're in college, and yet they've had three very different experiences so far. Yeah, you almost kind of wonder if Cam Johnson, like his command has been so bad. You almost kind of wonder if he throws this weekend and struggles again. Like if you're Jay Johnson – like, like, what situation can you actually like throw him into when, when you get in the conference play if he continues to have command like this? I don't, I don't know what situation you can throw him into unless you're just up by a lot of runs in a Sunday game. So yeah, yeah it's it could be interesting storyline if a guy like Cam Johnson's only only going to throw, you know, you know, ten or twelve innings this year because he can't find the zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I feel like that's one of the things Coach Johnson does well, though, is like knowing when to put these young guys in and when to test them. And honestly, I feel Mm -hmm. like he does a really good job of knowing when to let them fail, too, of just letting them out to dry a little bit. Because, you know, for me, those experiences where you're out there and you're walking the house, I know fans hate it. I know coaches hate it. No one hates it more than the guy in the mound. It's the worst experience in the world, probably. And I've been hit by a Cadillac before. And way easier than walking the house. So in doing this, what, what wait, wait, think, wait, hold on back up. What, what was the, that's what they were doing. Of- yeah. Yeah. That's what they were doing. Um, 
I was walking into a into a Weiss grocery store and there's this gentleman like parked in the fire lane. First of all, illegal. Um, and I was going to get banana bread stuff for pineapple pudding, pineapple bread pudding with my wife. And this guy just immediately puts it in reverse, backs right into me. I kind of I was I wasn't like dramatic about it, but I did kind of love tap his back windshield a little a little firmly mm-hmm. to let him know that he probably shouldn't. Like I went airborne for a little bit. Well, only a little bit, but like I moved the solid foot in the air and I wasn't like that upset about it. I really didn't care, Um, but I was more just like inconvenienced by it. But the guy did follow me into the grocery store and I caught him like filming me just in case I was going to file insurance stuff or something. So I started acting like I was having back spasms just to really freak the dude out. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take any of your money. You seem like a nice guy. Your kid's with you, like whatever. But I am going to make you think about this. And you will check the rear view, you know? But anyway, that experience, way, I would take that 10 days out of 10 days over walking the house. But as a freshman, when you have that experience, you know, hey, this sucks. How how are we going to regroup? How how are we going to rely on that previous experience to avoid doing it again? Yeah. And I know I went on a bit of a tangent there, but when when Kendall mentioned AJ AJ Russell's fastball going straight up, I I did lead me to a question. Do you guys think Isaac Newton could explain pitch design? Because I don't know if he could. Like, do you think he could perceive that concept of the pitch looking like it's going up? Well, first of all, I think we could all agree that Isaac Newton, if we'd have put a baseball in his hand, that dude would have been nasty, you know, just with his <laughs> understanding of what physics could do. Like that guy, that guy could like an understanding that, you know, pitch grips aren't necessarily the way you're manipulating the ball. It's it's exit points for the ball. Right. Like, I just think dude would have been would have been a problem, as the kids would say. I think he sees AJ Russell's ride on his fastball. He goes, you know what? I mentally cannot bear this burden. I'm done. I retire. Yeah. Montana, here yeah. I come. He hangs it up. He's moving. I mean, I know if I, I know that night that I saw him. If I was a hitter, like I would have, you know, as a hitter, you're always like, or as a pitcher. I mean, you know this. You're always going to be confident, right? But it's like if you you were on the mound and you know uh, Mike Trout came to the plate, you're probably not going. Yeah, I'm going to strike this dude out. <laughs> yeah no it, it's not that feel <laughs> who all right get here here here's some inane banter for us who was one hitter you went against in college that you were like oh god this is going to be bad um anton or oh geez his last name was shelton i believe it was anton shelton anton a he went to fiu he was the mvp of the cape cod league in 20 20- 18, I want to say. I, for the life yeah. of me, cannot remember his first name, but anytime I faced him, it was loud, hard contact. <laughs> you bringing up Spencer Torgelson actually reminded me of a, of a memory of playing against him in the Cape with a, one of my teammates was a gentleman by the name of Deacon Metters from the University of Alabama. And whenever he pitched to Spencer Torkelson, Spencer Torkelson would hit the furthest home runs he could. And there was, there was one game where Deacon Metters finally got him, it, it looked like. And the umpire, Spencer, I don't know why he took a slider like right down the middle, laid off of it. It should have been strike three. Gets called a ball. Next pitch, 500 feet into the woods. And Deacon Metters gets pulled. And the whole time he's like, 
God, I almost had him. He's letting the umpire have it a little bit. He goes, four strikes to this guy? Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's like, like, look, that's not fair. But that was another guy who's essentially just walking hard contact. The the, the player you were looking for there, Shock, is Austin Shinton. Ah, okay. You're close. Yeah, you were right. It's a lot of sounds. Billy, you weren't as bad. Hey, you weren't as bad with names as uh, Sype is. (laughs) Naturally, I didn't want to remember facing him. If I'm being honest, he was disgusting. Austin Shinton. I remember him. Good year in uh, AAA last year for Mister Shinton. Uh, An OPS over a thousand with 29 home runs. So pretty, uh, pretty good year. Coming to a big league ballpark near you. It sure seems like. Um, I'm going to talk real quick about a series on the West coast and I'm going to plead a little bit of, of ignorance about these teams just because of my coverage being primarily sec and having not seen a lot, but I, I just, from a storylines perspective, I'm interested in, and that's Oregon and Santa Barbara. Um, because there's, a, we talked about this in the main show recapping last weekend that there is an opportunity in the PAC 12 right now after yeah. Oregon state. Uh, I, we don't really know who the second, third, fourth, fifth best team in the Pac-12 is going to be. So somebody's going to fill in that vacuum. Somebody's going to be in position to host or be a strong two seed or whatever. Can Oregon be that team, even with some of the questions we have about them? And then on the flip side of that is, look, Santa Barbara's got the deck stacked against them. They don't have a home field for right now. That's not great. They're having to move games. They've had games moved on them. Um, you know, they, they've just had to kind of be a little more flexible than they otherwise would, would want to be so far this season. And has that maybe been reflected in them not having the start they would have looked for. And you have to understand in the big West, as much as I'd love it to be different right now in the big West, you can't bank on just being really good in your conference and getting into the postseason. Uh, if you, if, if say you finish behind Irvine or someone else in the league title race, although pause, is this the first year of the big West tournament? Do they have a, a tournament? this coming this year that's next year is that next year we're gonna do some uh we're gonna do this is good audio big west baseball tournament we're gonna get to the bottom of this yeah i will say i will say real quick while you're searching for that um you yeah. know oregon is is a really intriguing club i actually like their bullpen depth and i saw them opening weekend you know rj gordon who's, who's back from injuries done a really nice job for them on friday nights uh, they've got a really nice uh, piece on the back end of the bullpen and michael friend and by the way, Shock, he's a Bozeman, Montana kid. Uh, not many baseball players or pitchers come out of Bozeman. Uh, but he's really done a nice job. He's got some nice lettuce as his hair. Uh, you'll like his lettuce as well. But, uh, you know, they've got some depth in the mound. And then offensively, you know, Jeffrey Hurd's a really good-looking athlete. Uh, he's gotten off to a great start for them uh, offensively. So I, I like Oregon's club. You know, you watch them, and they're not just, you know – you're not just going away, just blown away, just their sheer talent, but it is a very good and like kind of solid club overall. They uh big West baseball tournament next year. Kendall was correct on that. So for this okay, year, that's what I, thought, but I was wondering, I was yeah. like, oh, maybe not. So for this year, the only auto bid is, is coming through winning the regular season title. So, you know, if you're Santa Barbara, what if you lose that title race? Well, what if you tie Irvine, but they won the series. So you lose the auto bid and now it's yeah. like, you know, so I say all that to say, I wonder if UCSD can make it. I wonder if UCSD can make it this year. Remember last year they won the league by like three games, but couldn't make the tournament. Well, right because they're out of that transition year. Transition, transitioning. But yeah, I wonder if they're. I wonder if they're out of that transition year. But for Santa Barbara, you're just you're in a position where you you kind of I don't want to say you have to have it, but like you you certainly can't get swept here on the road. Um, You need to you need to grab at least grab a game here because you just don't know how many chances you're going to have. Yeah, Yeah, I mean you can't go. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure the transition is two years. Your first two years as a new D1 school, you can't compete in the conference tournament, but I could be, or the NCAA postseason, but I'm not sure about like conference tournaments and things. Yeah, I don't like think that. I've ever actually seen like the actual rule on that because I feel like it's they are a revolving door. They still have another. They still have another year, so they cannot win oh, the auto bid this year. Because they've got yeah. a pretty decent. They, they've got they do a have a good team again. It, it reminds me of when Grand Canyon moved up, and like Grand yeah. Canyon was immediately yeah. the best team in the WAC, and it was like, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait four years before we can yeah. actually do anything about this. Yeah, exactly. They were yeah, they were winning tough. the WAC by like five games, but they couldn't make the tournament. This is yeah. the dumbest rule in uh, in athletics, by the way. Well, it certainly doesn't yeah. need to be four years. Like we maybe there's yeah. an argument to be made you make it two or something, but I just it doesn't need to be four years, especially. Well, the whole the whole year. reasoning, I asked somebody this about two years ago, and the whole reasoning is they want to make sure that like whatever the school is is actually serious about being division one. Uh I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if you win the big west two years in a row, I feel like you're pretty serious. Yeah, that's or maybe pretty that's serious. It. Maybe it's like a waiver process where like they if, if you prove yeah. yourself after two years, you can like get a waiver, you know, to, to be eligible. I, I don't know. Maybe Yeah, that's I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. The, anyway. See what we what we were saying it makes way too much sense. That's right. Yeah. So, that's so too we equitable. Do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas. Uh I believe that is a that is a preview episode, taking a look at some of the stuff happening around college baseball this weekend just a meaty non-conference weekend i've always compared this this weekend to um when the nfl had four preseason games and game number three was always like the dress rehearsal game before <laughs> like game four was usually like all right the starters just aren't going to play um and yeah. you acc play starts next weekend but otherwise a lot of the major conferences gearing up for their conference play kind of take a step back so this is the best non-conference weekend in terms of everything that we that we have on offer so enjoy the baseball everyone i hope the the weather holds up wherever it is you're going to watch your college games uh thank you to steve and kindle for joining us today and filling in for for the full crew here is where the travel has made it to where we have a little bit of a skeleton crew but had a lot of fun with you guys thank you to pitch logic and s2 cognition for sponsoring this episode of the d1 baseball podcast we'll talk to you guys soon the D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.